Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Okay, today is a big day. Uh, yeah, uh, what is it again? No. <laughs> there's, there's only 10 shopping days until my birthday. There you go. That is no, big... I think it's, sorry, 40, sorry. Oh, okay, all right. No, no. <laughs> difference. Yeah. Maybe last month there, Tom. No, but today is a big day because today is launch day of your new book. Yeah, yeah, so for those who, when, you know, those who listening to this, it will be um, probably about, you know, at, at the earliest about four or five days after the book is launched, but as we're recording, it, it is launch day. Yeah, so congratulations on getting this far, as they say. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Now, now we'll see. Yeah, so we'll see. The hard part's <laughs> over. Now the really hard part starts. Right, yeah. right. Yes, and some of it, much of it within my hands in terms of getting the word out, but um, in terms of people's reactions to it, I'm hoping for the best and hope people get something out of it. Yeah. And we talked in our last episode more about the process of writing a book and then the pre-launch and the launch and ongoing marketing of a book. But today we have an actual book to talk about, which is called The Productivity Pivot, correct? Correct. And this is your second full-length uh, nonfiction book, right? Uh, third, actually. Third. Okay. So The Essential Associate came prior to this. And what was the first one? Before that was One of a Kind Lawyer. One of a Kind Lawyer. So, so Interesting. 2016, 2018, 2020. Okay. And I've heard through the grapevine that there's a book coming by 2022 that you've already started, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a podcast for another day. So, all right. So this is the third, not necessarily in a series, but the third of your books. Um, if you could share with me, I'm curious why this book in particular with this topic, subject matter, which we'll delve into and, and why now? Well, why this book, I guess, I think most good books set out to address a specific problem or answer a specific question. And in this case, it was a little bit of both. And, and I, because in my coaching practice, um, I bump into the same issue over and over with clients uh, as it relates to the issue of business development, where we, you know, in the early stages of the coaching process, you go through this, um, you go through this uh, exercise of, kind of determining what you want, you know, way out in the future and sort of reducing that down into the goals that might be like, you know, say 12 month goals where you're setting a objective that relates to the vision that you have for your life and your career. And then from the, from those goals, crafting a plan uh, as how to move forward. And then, you know, clients are usually pretty um, engaged and enthusiastic about that process. And then they, and then almost, well, not uniformly, but almost uniformly run into a roadblock, which is, they look at the plan they've created and they, they, you know, they look up and say, well, I, can't, I don't possibly have time to do, do all of this. So they get overwhelmed and, and an unfortunate number of people just stall out at that point and they don't necessarily know how to move forward. So I really set out to write this book for lawyers, um, although the principles are, are pretty broadly applicable to anyone who finds themselves in the scenario of, of both being the product in the sense of you sell your time and also selling the product, you know, you're responsible for developing business. So, uh, you know, the book attempts to provide a, um, a new way of thinking about your time, a new way of thinking about what you want out of your career and a new, certainly a new way and a transformative way to think about the issue of productivity. Specifically, how do you find the time to consistently engage in business development such that 
you can be on the path to build a practice and achieve your long-term objectives. Yep. Yeah, you're right. So I've never been an attorney as you have been, but it, everything in the book, as I read it, totally resonated as an issue that I think anyone who sells their time grapples with, or if you're selling expertise, it's difficult to get out of what you do to, to make a buck, to, to actually turn your attention and your energy into trying to sell so that you can do what you do to make a buck. So totally resonated with me. And what I loved about the book as I read it, it was the fact that there's sort of two components to this in literally in your book, there's two parts. And the first part deals more in my mind. These are my words, not yours. I'll have you describe it more aptly than I can, but it's all about the mindset shift that is critical to um, getting you where you need to go. And you sort of referenced it in the way you described your coaching, which is the visioning aspect of peer out into the future. And let's just talk about and focus about what you really want. And you wrote a blog post once in just a simple phrase jumped off the page at me as something that was disheartening, but like an eye opener. And I don't know if you remember reading, writing these words, but you wrote too many attorneys are unhappy and that's a shame. Right. And I think it is reality. I know attorneys who complain that they quote unquote, don't like the practice of law. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say that, or they want to get into another field, even though they spent tons of money and their time getting into the field of law. And so what you do in this first part, I feel like is you track that unhappiness back to a single source. And if you can figure out what's driving that unhappiness, um, you could just go on a path to fix it. And the word that, that jumped off the page of me as I was reading your book is this concept of autonomy. And what's really driving unhappiness is the lack of autonomy. So could you talk a little bit about part one and all about the mindset that goes into this? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, the whole idea is I think, you know, most, most productivity advice, you know, if we take a step back, most productivity advice focuses on how can you move faster, fit more in, get more done in less time, and, you know, provide a series of you know, tips and tricks and hacks to hack your way to, to getting more stuff done in, in less time. Um, and really, my book, The Productivity Pivot, is really focused on not necessarily getting more done, but being more effective. And, and that really, you know, I think at, at its core, productivity, therefore, is, is all about um, tying your, your productivity to essentially a higher purpose. Like what, what is it that you really want and what, what's, what purpose is productivity serving? Um, so that's really gets down to this issue of setting a vision for yourself. And, you know, we know from statistics and studies and many of which I, I cite in the book, you know, the things that many people think they want um, out of their career or out of the practice of law. And you're right, there is a unhappiness epidemic that has been running through the, the law for years now, and it's only getting worse. Um, you know, if, if what you're aiming for is status or, or money or power, these types of things, you know, consistently have been shown as things that do not bring long-term happiness or satisfaction in one's life or career. And what, in fact, has been found to produce the most happiness and satisfaction is this concept of autonomy. So basically, you know, those who have studied this issue, and there are studies that are both broadly applicable to the general population, as well as um, one study in particular that's cited in the book that, that deals with lawyers in, uh, in particular, uh, is this notion of autonomy where one is in control of their circumstances. You feel like you're in control of your time, your destiny, um, you have, you know, a better handle on 
all aspects of, of your career and no one is dictating uh, what you do to you, um, that is the thing that people derive the most happiness and satisfaction from. And then, you know, so I go on to make the argument that in, for anyone who is looking to continue their career in private practice as a lawyer, the best way to gain autonomy is to build a book of business. Because if you don't have your own clients, you know, you're essentially serving two masters. You're always going to be, have to be responsive to your clients, but you're also going to have to be responsive if you don't have clients of your own to those in your firm who do. So you're essentially serving more than one um, party in this instance. And once you have clients, it's very empowering and you feel much more autonomous. And then as a, as a delightful side effect or adjacent effect to all of that, those other things, money, status, power, those come with that as a, as a consequence of having a book of business. But what you really want to aim for is this concept of autonomy. And so if you can make that your long-term vision and attach your, your productivity to that, then you're going to have a much easier time to sustain the business development efforts that are required to build a book of business and not just have to simply rely upon willpower or discipline alone. Um, so that's, that's really chapter one uh, in the book. <laughs> all about vision and really you know, having people, challenging them to think about like this concept of, of autonomy and whether that's really what we should be aiming for. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And again, applicable to those just outside of the practice of law for sure. Um, what, the interesting thing, and, I, and I've come to believe that those offering quick fixes and hacks are, are quacks. Mm-hmm. You know, because it dawned on me not too long ago that wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know people are superstars and superheroes and they're super busy and they can do things at four 30 in the morning, but I know what 24 hours in a day feels like. So yeah. you can't fool me anymore that there's some magical trick to get around the fact that there's 24 hours in a day. I know exactly what it feels like. Right. And so um, when I came to that realization, I, it was sort of empowering because it led to this idea that you just described, which is okay. It's not about doing more with less time. There's no such thing as less time. It's how do I prioritize and focus my activities around that, which is super important to me. And you had me read the book Essentialism and that realigned everything. And what I read when I read your book is this first part just feels like essentialism for attorneys. Not not duplicative in any way, but it's sort of, you know, if I had to describe it in five words or less, like a a slug line, it would be part one is essentialism for attorneys. So uh, and that's the part that really just resonated to me as even as a non-attorney. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, you know, there, there, so, so if we think about kind of what, all right, you, you, you essentially determine what your vision of the future looks like, um, then, you know, the whole book kind of continues to get more fine-grained as you go, right? We're, we're, we're sort of funneling people down from, you know, way out in the future to what should I be doing this very moment uh, to realize my long-term vision? So, so then we, we move into the issues of, of goal setting, which you know, everyone's set goals, everyone has read about setting goals. Um, but, you know, the, the beauty of casting a clear vision for the future is that you can actually then develop goals that align with that future vision with, with great specificity. So without, without a vision, you can't set effective goals. Um, and, and without goals, you'll never move forward on your vision. So it's, it's really, there are two essential components to this. So, so we talk about in the book about, um, you know, the 
there's a number of ways to think about goal setting. I recommend the SMART goal framework, which many people are probably familiar with. And I, I kind of drill down on how to do that effectively. But it really is, you know, if we, if we, if we extrapolate out further, again, the whole purpose of setting, you know, a one-year goal related to your 10-year vision is that so then you can then deconstruct that goal into a plan as to what you need to be doing, you know, this month, this week, and this day to be on the path. Uh, because, you know, every lawyer is busy and where everyone falls down is the fact that you start to think, well, you know, I, I'll make progress on my goals later when things settle down or this case wraps up or whatever. And of course, you know, you never do, you lose momentum and you'll never uh, really be able to catch up. So, you know, once you set those goals, then you need to further deconstruct those goals into an actionable plan. And, you know, something like, uh, you know, what, all right, what do I need to be doing during the next, um, during the next month? Then based on that, if I, you know, if I need to, if I need to get, reach a certain point within a month, certainly something I need to be doing this week to make progress. And then further, you know, I need to, I, I definitely need to be taking action today to be on the path again. So it's this process of, of kind of walking people through this idea where you're, you're starting way out in the future and you're working your way back to today so that you're on the path. As you suggested earlier, a lot of times this is where it falls apart is when the plan gets, you know, from strategic to uh, put into action or into execution. And I've been hearing the great philosopher, Mike Tyson quoted a lot recently for whatever reason. So it's <laughs> top of mind to say, yeah. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, right? And yep. for an attorney, being punched in the mouth is showing up to the office or opening your computer nowadays and saying, okay, I have a million priorities. I just said that the one priority is developing my book of business so I can achieve autonomy through my coaching session with my coach. But I have 50 emails waiting for me, a voicemail from a client. I have a partner meeting in two hours. How am I going to find the time? And what I love about your book and what other pre-reviewers who have read advanced copies have been generous enough to, to say about the book is that it doesn't just focus on the philosophical or the mindset, but it actually provides actionable steps, tools, processes, um, which sort of segues into part two, which is this execution phase, right? Because you're going to have to execute the plan for it to work. And you just kind of pointed out, and I think you're accurate when you say that's where it all falls apart, which is a shame. So um, segueing into part two, then um, you quote, or you borrow an idea from Charlie Munger to help people at least figure out the, the concept of maybe not where do I start, but how do I find the time and share that with everyone? What is that concept? Yeah. So uh, many people uh, probably know Charlie Munger, at least have heard of him. He's, he's, you know, someone to, someone to read and follow. And he's a, he's a brilliant man. Um, he is the less well, uh, less well-known partner of Warren Buffett in Berkshire Hathaway. And he's also a lawyer. Uh, and when, when Munger got back from World War II uh, in, in the service, he attended Harvard Law School. Then him and his family traveled out to California and he started um, practicing in a small firm out there. Um, he, you know, as a young lawyer, he came upon this realization, um, which was he was spending all of his time, his most valuable time, working on other people's priorities, billing his time, selling his time, to his clients. And obviously as a lawyer, that's, you know, the lifeblood of how you uh, do business and get paid. But 
the the interesting thing was he he decided that well if that was if that's all he did for his entire career he was never going to be able to move forward on any of his important long-term goals like we've been talking about or his long-term vision for his career so he decided that you know he could he could he could and he needed to sort of flip his mindset and start thinking about himself as his own most important client at least for 1 hour per day so as he put it he started selling himself 1 hour per day and as Warren Buffett describes in his authorized biography, um, as he talks about this point, he says, you know, Munger used this time first thing in the morning, which is when he was like, that, he considered that his most val valuable hour of the day to work on, you know, important professional and business development priorities. And, you know, <laughs> looking back, if we you know, look forward from that point in time, you know, Munger became a multi-billionaire and one of the most successful business people, founded a very successful law firm before that. And, you know, he attributes that success to this lifelong learning and in particular selling himself an hour of his time every day. So um, that's where the concept comes from. And I think it's, I think it's brilliant. It's, it's simple, but it also really helps sort of catalyze this concept of you can't, you're never going to get ahead. You're never going to realize your long-term vision if you are again, working on everyone else's priorities and never focusing on your own. So if you can carve out what is for most lawyers about 10% of their workday, so you know one out of 10 hours, um, you, can, you have the time at that point to make progress, significant progress, consistent progress in building a book of business that's going to have, a, have the biggest significant impact on um, your career over the long term chipping away at this important priority over time and just making that hour a block, a time block on your calendar and, and working the plan over time and you'll make tremendous progress. So for, you know, for lawyers, I, the idea is, you know, the, the reason that's important is because many of them look at business development as something that they're going to fit in among, amongst their billable hours, right? So oftentimes that means it gets pushed to the end of the day. At that point, you know, your brain's fried, you're tired, you're not at your best. And, you know, in most cases, you end up either just maybe handling some administrative work or, um, or going home, because that's not the time, that's not the mindset you want to have going into something that oftentimes feels uncomfortable as a high uh, risk of failure, which is the types of activities you need to engage in to, to develop clients. And so if you prioritize that time at the, at the start of the day, when you're fresh, when you're more motivated, you have more willpower, and you then can do something at the start of your day that puts you in a great mindset for the rest of the day, feel like you've accomplished something important, and you, are, you have, in fact, set yourself on a path to, to great long-term success by doing so. Yeah, it's, so you're addressing two things, I think, with this. One is the, the resistance that I don't have the time right? Because everyone could say, I don't have the time. It's just a matter of prioritizing the time. But the second thing is, I think most of us have a built-in aversion to business development and sales activity. So it's easy to say, I got too busy today to do this, right? And it's very, it's self-affirming. And it's not that I didn't want to do it. It's just, I got too busy. And by the end of the day, the kids were screaming and I had to go home. And so um, you do think it's important to sell that one hour at the beginning of each day. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, that's not going to be for everyone. I mean, there, there's a, a great book that Daniel Pink wrote called When, which basically says that, you know, we all have a different sort of rhythm to our days, but most of us are morning people in the sense that we're at our most creative, our most engaged, we have highest levels of concentration first thing in the day. Um, other people are, are not that way. Maybe it's in the evening um, or the middle of the day. 
but that's less, less of us have that, you know, sort of makeup. And add in the stress of a long work day and the practice of law. And I, so I think that for most people, they'll benefit by tackling this first thing in the morning before the emails start pouring in, for the phone calls, the court hearings, the client meetings, all of that stuff that's going to cause you to, you know, if you are feeling resistance to business development, it's going to be a heck of a lot easier to not do it if you're, if you're facing sort of the stress and the craziness of a work day in, the, in, yeah. a, you know, in a law firm. Yep, for sure. And uh, put another way, I heard somebody else make the great point that the first part of the day, the very first part of your morning is the one time that you have the most control over events. And as the day goes on, you need to start reacting to events because a client has called or you've received an email or something has happened, or as you say, a court date in time, you know, just shows up on your calendar. So you have to do it. So find that time early in the day before all the external influences sort of reshaping your day for you. I think that's great. Yeah. So let's assume then an attorney has committed to selling him or herself an hour per day. And it's the first hour of the day, or maybe not, but the next part of your book goes into, okay, I have an hour. Now there's a million things I could do with that hour when you, you know, business development is a pretty broad category. It could include sales activity. It could include um, research activity. It could include um, marketing activity. It could include writing activity. So how, how does one figure out the best way to spend that hour? And your book addresses this. Yeah, it does. So yeah, again, thinking of this idea of like working backwards, really getting more granular. Um, the, the book towards the tail end is, it concludes with this chapter called the 60 minute daily sprint. So you, know, you want to be really circumspect, circumspect and strategic about like the long-term um, aspects of your career. But in those moments when you're focused on what should be your most important priority, which is business development, if you're optimizing for autonomy or, or any other, um, you know, again, money, power, status, whatever it is, uh, you, uh, you need to move fast. And because that hour will go by quickly and you want to be organized. You want to make the best use of it. So, so I kind of go through a series of steps and um, tactics to make the most of that hour that you've sold yourself. And, and that starts, actually, that the, the process begins the, the evening before. So I kind of suggest a shutdown routine where at the end of your day, um, you create a plan for yourself for the following day. And, and that is just a simple, you know, you can call it a to-do list. I, I talk in the book about my favorite um, manner of organizing one's day, which derives from another, um, you know, sort of old, old uh, piece of advice, which is, it's come to be called the Ivy Lee method of planning, which, which basically, you know, you want to, you want to have a small series of priorities for your day and work on one until it's done before you move on to the next one, essentially. So, so I suggest identifying the night before one priority from a business development standpoint from the next day. If you're gonna be writing a thought leadership article, write a thought leadership article. If you're gonna be emailing clients, email clients. Don't try to multitask um, your time. And, and certainly don't, don't start your hour not knowing what you're gonna be doing. You wanna be able to dive right into this plan. So, so really, you know, having this shutdown routine at the end of the day where you spend five minutes identifying important priorities for the next morning um, that you're going to work on is key. That'll give you a clear head when you leave the office. You'll feel like you've, you know, you've kind of got your stuff together and you're ready to go. Um, and then once you get into it, there's a, a few other things. One would be making sure you're, again, sort of time blocking that hour where you, you are writing down, you know, if even in like, I, I usually think of it in 15 minute increments. Like what am I going to be doing at each of those 15 minute increments within, within that hour so that 
I sent, I have a real clear game plan um, as to what, what I'm doing and I don't have to waste any mental energy planning and I can spend all of it executing. Um, and then, you know, from a, from a working standpoint, and, and there's more, but I'll, I'll end here with this point. Um, I talk about a, a, a method of working that some people may have heard of called the Pomodoro technique, which is the idea of, of sprinting through relatively short blocks of time with intense focus. So you're not working on, you know, you're not multitasking, you're not sort of, um, you know, kind of working uh, moderately. You're really putting all of yourself into this task. It's impossible to work with that intensity your entire day. You'll just, you'll burn out. But for that one hour, if you agree that this is your most important priority, then you certainly can muster that intensity um, and get through that hour with, um, you know, not letting any distractions pop up, close your email, um, put your phone on, on mute and turn the ringer off, um, put your, put your uh, mobile phone in the desk drawer and just give it your all during that one hour period of time. Um, and you'll get a remarkable amount done. Um, it's a really powerful way to work, even though just like you can't sprint your way through a marathon, you can't sprint your way through a, a long work day, but you can for that one hour period of time, at least get up, have a cup of coffee, refresh yourself, and then get into the rest of your work day. That means you've devoted your greatest degree of energy for the day to, to yourself. And I think that's really important. Yep. And so much of it seems to be, you know, as I read your book about just injecting discipline, because it's difficult at first, especially at first, as you say, where the, the, the wheels start getting wobbly and, and falling off the cart is committing to like a workout routine, right? Is to having a discipline to say every Monday or every day I'm going to the gym at seven or every day I'm getting on the treadmill at four by putting some structure into it it's, and then creating discipline around adherence to the structure, I think holds you to, um, holds yourself accountable and ultimately is what's needed to, to create the efficacy of the program. So I'm wondering what, as you were talking, I was just thinking out loud, could you or would you advocate for maybe coming up with some categorical types of, of activities, say one is writing, another is, you know, LinkedIn networking. Another one is say um, brainstorming on topics. Another one might be researching uh, prospects who are out in the field and say Monday's writing day, Tuesday's LinkedIn day, Wednesday's prospecting day. Could you get further structured like that? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the whole idea by, you know, again, we're deconstructing our goals, down into a daily plan of action. So, you know, if you can, if you can find activities that you are effective and that you, you know, enjoy, if you like writing, right? If you don't, you know, I would say maybe don't pursue that. You know, don't make this more difficult on yourself than it needs to be. Because as you said, Tom, it's going to require discipline, at least at first. I mean, the beauty of it is, though, it requires less discipline over time, the same way that any habit, um, you know, once you've exercised for long enough, it just becomes part of what you do. You get, it doesn't take a lot of willpower or discipline to get up and brush your teeth every morning. Um, same goes for business development, but it does require you to, to um, exert discipline for long enough for you to see positive results and, and positive outcomes from your activity. And once you do that, you, you naturally want to do more of the activity that's generating those positive results. So. Yep. Totally reinforcing, right? So you get the six pack abs and you're like, okay, this was, a, not only was it worth it, but what else should I be doing? Right. Well, I, and, I have no, I, I have no relation to that uh, concept, but. <laughs> hey, if you want to see what 15 pack abs look like, just <laughs> let me know and I'll show you. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, but in all seriousness, and what I like about your book too, just kind of as we start wrapping up here 
is um, you employ a device that I think more and more fiction writers are doing, and they're creating these books that aren't just reading, but they're immersive in, in a way that invites the reader to kind of workshop through the book as you go along. And you end chapters with homework assignments, or um, you have worksheets that are available elsewhere to download and actually create a program around this. So it's not just a, hey, here's a bunch of life hacks, and here's how you should shift your mindset. Good luck, and we'll just thank you for buying the book. It really is a program. Yeah. Um, in everything, by the way, I should say it's beautifully designed. The book looks great. So kudos on that. The workshop, the worksheets are really easy to use and intuitive. So why did you go through all the extra steps of, you know, not only writing a book, but you're creating a process here? Yeah, well, I, you know, as someone who's written a few books, I mean, the, the best compliment, the best feeling you can get is when someone tells you that, you know, they didn't just, you know, you'll hear, oh, I read your book, I enjoyed it what you really want to hear is I read your book. It had a huge impact on me and it's changed how I operate or, or act. And, and that's really what you're aiming for uh, when you write a book like this. So, so yeah, what, what we did was create a few complimentary, um, both complimentary in the sense that they're free and complimentary in the sense that they relate to the book uh, worksheets that you can download that um, give you a, essentially a template for creating a vision statement for, um, you know, the long term, um, establishing smart goals, uh, blocking time, and things, and also um, distinguishing between things that are, um, you know, important and, and urgent, or it's, it's the Eisenhower matrix, where essentially using this as a tool to be able to determine what you should be working on, what you should be delegating, what you shouldn't be doing altogether based on its relative benefit um, and, and how you should be focused focusing your time. So, so those are available. Um, that and more, uh, you can also download a free chapter at a, um, a page we set up at productivitypivot.com. Um, so you can go there and learn more about the book, um, get a, you know, the link to, to purchase the book. Uh, right now, the Kindle and paperback versions are available. We're working on the audiobook version. Uh, and so that'll be out in the hopefully not too distant future. Um, the worksheets are available there. They're free to download. Um, as well as the free chapter to the book, if you want to, you know, try before you buy, so to so to speak. Great. Is it the first chapter? Uh, it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, the introduction, uh, but yes, technically okay. the first chapter. Um, so yeah. So excited to have it out. Uh, you know, we'll see how it goes, where it goes from here. As you said, a lot of the hard work starts now, um, at least from a promotion standpoint. Have all the major talk shows started to want to book you and stuff? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. The phone's ringing off the hook here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it really, in all seriousness, it's a great book. If you're an attorney, for sure, even if you're not, um, you might sell a service for a living. Like you said, you might be the product. So, you know, accountants, you know, I'm a marketing professional. I got a ton out of the book um, written specifically for attorneys, but applicable, I think, across a, a bunch of adjacent industries. So congratulations on the book. Um, We'll include all of the, the links and everything in the show notes, but I think the important one to remember is productivitypivot.com because you can find everything there, right? Yeah, yeah, you can find uh, everything there. Um, you know, if you go to Amazon, if you search Productivity Pivot, you'll find the book. And, and yeah, uh, great, to, great to have it out there and have this, at least the, uh, the launch behind us. And maybe we'll do a future episode to kind of uh, create our little triumvirate. We've had the pre, pre-launch um, launch of, and then we'll talk about, you know, kind of what comes next after the launch of the yeah. book. Yeah, right. We'll do a, a we'll see. mistakes, uh, you know, <laughs> that's all of that stuff. Right. We'll yes. 
Great. All right. Well, congratulations again, and we'll talk to you next time, Jay. All right. Thank you, Tom. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.